Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, my podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their heart, and then from leading with their heart to leading with their head. Now today on the show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Kenya Congress. Uh, Kenya grew up in rural Alabama. Kenya made some some not so good, if you will, decisions in her life early on. In fact, made some decisions that cost her her freedom. She actually uh, served time in prison. Wait till you hear what Kenya did uh, with that time in prison. And wait till you hear Kenya's perspective on life. She's now an entrepreneur and leads a, a company that is being franchised and doing very, very well. But even more importantly, wait till you hear Kenya's heart. Wait till you hear what she's doing uh, with with the income that that she's making from 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 this company and what she's done for for a long time with her life she's a very special lady so thanks for joining us you're really going to be glad you did let's jump into that conversation with kenya right now kenya congress oh my goodness i've heard so much about you you are famous uh, (laughs) at least in these parts Uh, and uh because i hear now, I don't know, but I hear that you make the best funnel cake someone can put in their mouth. Is that that's true? what I've been told. Is it really? Yes, that's what I've been told. <laughs> well, I'm going royalty funnel cake. Is that it? Royalty funnel cakes and more. And more. Mm-hmm. Royalty funnel cakes and more. That's yes, the name of your company. We'll talk about that because it's ama- that's an amazing story in and of itself. But more importantly today, I'm crossing the line. Uh, we want to talk about you, and I thank you so much for being here. Thanks for coming over. We just met personally, yes. right? But I've heard so much about you. I felt like I, kn- I knew you, and I'm looking forward to, to hearing your journey. Thank you for having me. Today. Oh, my goodness. What a pleasure. So let's do this. Okay. Uh, Kenya, let's start back. I, I just want to talk about a day in the life of, of Kenya as a child. Would you take us back to your childhood? And we're gonna we're just going to hear your story, if that's okay, and and I may ask a couple of questions, but take us back to Kenya as a as a young child, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old. What is that like, and, mm-hmm. and, and who were you back then? What was your family like? Tell us. <laughs> I was definitely not as talkative back then. Um, I grew up in Town Creek, uh, Cortland area, and I lived with my grandmother um, at the age six, seven. And I was a barefooted. I love being barefooted. We were raised in the country, and I just love being barefooted. And I remember going picking blueberries behind my grandmother's house in this pasture. And we would go pick blueberries, and I would go across the street to the Dairy Queen. they just be able to get ice cream and, and just different things like that. But I've always been... I've always been a thinker, like a big thinker. And, and my thoughts always been, you know, if I wasn't here, what would I be doing? And I can remember, and I was thinking of that a couple months ago, I could always remember even when I'm 11 and 12 and I'm back at my mom's and I could think I'm outside by myself, no shoes. And I'm thinking, what if, what happens when I'm 18? You know, what I'm going to do when I do wow. this? And I've always had big dreams to do all types of things. And, and it's just been, it's been one crazy ride. <laughs> So this is the first clue about understanding Kenya. She has always been a big thinker. She's always been a visionary. She can she can see things. She can she can look out and and envision uh, things that that she wants to do and 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 things that she wants to accomplish. Uh, it it really started when she was just a child in the country. Wow! That's, so even at a young age, you've been a, a visionary. Yes. You were, so. Yes. 
In your in your home, uh, how many siblings do you have, and where do you align in that in that order? I am the oldest of four girls. Oh my goodness! I am the oldest of four girls. All of us are in our thirties now. All of us, I took one have kids, and it's it's like I still feel like I'm like the mom. I feel like you do know you they really? should listen to me, but they don't. They don't listen to me, <laughs> right? I feel like they, they, should. they should listen to me. I am. I am. Um, but I feel like. I feel like we grew up in the same house, mm -hmm. but you know how you grow up as siblings, then you just kind of, you make your own decisions. You're different. You have a different personality. And so I look at them and I'm like, gosh, we could do so many things. Like mm -hmm. we could change so many lives, yes. you know? And, and so that's where I am. I'm trying to instill some things in them to just push them to do some more things too. I love, so you're still leading them. You're still yes, leading, definitely. leading your, your, your that siblings. That is my job as the oldest. Oh my that goodness. is my job. Yes. Yes. So, in your home growing up, mm -hmm. um, did that did that thought process as the oldest? Did they did they ever say you know you're trying to boss us or you're trying? They to tell run? me that my 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 sister my sister the next to me I think she told me that maybe two three days ago she told me that probably once a week. We have my mom on Kenya. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like okay, but are you gonna do it? Like are you gonna do it the way I just told you it should be done? So yes, because I feel like I feel like us on the outside looking in. No, we don't know everything, but we've seen some things, and that's the same thing I try to tell my kids. You know, oh, like I, I know you don't think that. That, you know, you think, oh, she's just old and she's just trying to tell me what to do. But I've experienced some things that I'm trying yes. to keep you from experiencing. Come on. So just listen to me. They don't listen still. No. But. <laughs> but, you, but you're trying. Yes. Yes. So, all right. So you're in the country. Mm -hmm. um, you grew up with four, uh, three sisters. Three sisters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and what did your what did your parents do? What was the what you were farmer? My dad. My dad was a farmer. My mom's always been a stay at home mom. Uh, my dad was a farmer and we always went down uh, to his job and especially he would come home on the tractor. Oh. We would always run out to the tractor and try to play around with those things. So yeah, so he was, and he was always up the street. He was always close to home. So yeah, we kind so of had a- you grew up being outside a lot. Yes. And, and mm -hmm. loving the outdoors, loving mm -hmm. barefoot, being yes. barefoot experience. And then, so you went through, you know, you're going to elementary school, school starts, you're, you're doing that. Working on the farm, I guess, um, mm -hmm. um, with your dad, when, when he allows mm -hmm. that. And uh, then uh, the wonderful junior high years. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Well, we didn't have quite a junior high in okay. Cortland. We had kindergarten through eighth grade, uh, seventh grade, and then seventh through uh, 12. We didn't have a middle school. Okay. So junior high was very different. You're leaving all the teachers who were so you know, loving and compassionate yes. and you having to go to big girl school. And it was different. Um, we didn't stay in the city. You know, we stayed in the country. So we were kind of shy away from everyone. So it was just us. It was just me and my sisters. And so we didn't do the sleepovers and the parties and different really? things like that. It was just always us. And so growing up, it didn't it didn't seem different. You know, it wasn't nothing that we were missing out on because it was nothing that we had ever experienced. Mm. So it wasn't a big deal when people would have birthday parties because we never knew about it. But when we had birthday parties, we had one up until we were 13, 14. And it was always us. We always got gifts. Mom always made hot dogs and chips. So we <laughs> never we never knew we were missing out on it. You know, it was just something. And I think it's with social media today. It's something mm. you see that kind of changes your mm. your vision of the world. But back then, things were so innocent. And I think about that a lot now. I think about how 
as as seventh and eighth grade, I wasn't exposed to so much stuff. And so my mindset now is still it's still like I'm not going to say it's innocent, but I don't I still don't view things as deep as mm-hmm. as a lot of people do, because I wasn't exposed at a young, as, at an early age as a lot of kids are now. I want to jump ahead just a second mm-hmm. because I have a question. Yes. You have children. I do. So think about the exposure your children mm-hmm. have versus the exposure you have. Yes. And that's what the same. See? That's the same with I have my son will be 23 this year. Mm-hmm. I have a daughter that will be 21 and I have a son that's fixed to be 16. He's had more exposure being the youngest than they did yeah. because my oldest didn't get a phone in the fifth grade. Right. Like he didn't have a phone. Well, they're younger now getting phones, but he didn't get a phone that early or they wasn't allowed to go to the movies by themselves at an early age or go places. Right. So he's exposed to more now than they were. It's so much more out there. So yeah, it's kind of, it's a very different thing than what, what like I'm still learning the language, you know, oh, and, and the Texas, and I'm like, okay, why you didn't spell it out? What is that? You know? <laughs> so, I'm still learning what I'm it with means. You. I'm with and you. I and I write my door, and I said, what does this mean? Because somebody posted this, and it's just three letters. Like, well, what is this? Oh, yeah. And so it's it's different mm-hmm. for them to to be exposed to so much, and, and it's good in a way, and it's very bad in a way. That's right. Can you imagine though, as you were on the farm as a as a 10, 11, 12 year old, having the exposure that the kids have today. Can you imagine if you had access to all the yeah, mess that, no. that our children are exposed to? Yeah. I, it's kind of scary. It's, it's very scary. It is yeah. definitely very scary. All right. So who were you in that high school year? In those high school years, who were you? I was quiet. I was quiet. I wasn't really loud. I only talked to a few people. Um, we wasn't we we wasn't middle class. We wasn't poor. Uh, we was getting by, You're getting and by. so and so I I didn't talk to a lot of people. Um, we didn't. We never had a big family, so I wasn't I wasn't exposed to even a lot that my friends were exposed to. Like things they were talking about, they were doing. I would chime in on it, but I had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, we didn't have cable. Like I didn't get cable. I didn't get cable till I was 19 wow. years old. What, 19? I, I was 19 when we first got cable, and I had moved out at that point. So that's when I got cable. <laughs> I didn't go skating till my son was like three or four. So I didn't do I didn't do those things. Like I went to the movies once with my church when I was younger. Like we didn't do those things. We weren't exposed to those things. It was that. more family oriented. Wow. And so it's so hard for me now to. I said, my son, okay, I cooked, you know, come by. I'm cooking just so you'll come by because everybody's living their life. But back then we were just so family oriented and, and it, was, it wasn't it was all these places to go or all these beaches to go to, you know, it was just you and your family and that was like so different. Yeah, that is, and, and you were quiet during those times. <laughs> yes, I was very quiet. Like I was, I just felt like not my opinion didn't matter, but no one asked. Sure. So why, sure. Are we, why am I talking? <laughs> Mm. Yeah. But you had dreams. You you were, you were a visionary. I back. wrote all the time. Tell me about that. I wrote, and I still, to this day, I I have, oh gosh, so many tablets and notebooks and journals. And it's just different businesses, different visions, different 
things, different things we can do in the community, different businesses that can be open. And will, will I do them all? Absolutely not. No, but those are things that I do believe God keeps fresh mm. on my mind. I do believe that those are things that he says, okay, maybe you won't do it, but maybe you'll be able to help someone else to do it. So that that's my goal. That That is definitely my goal this year is to help someone to 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 succeed in one of their, their visions, one of their dreams that God has put on their heart. Oh my goodness, mm -hmm. because you have these dreams, you Lots understand it, yes. and, you, and you wrote them down. Lots of so them. So I'm just curious, mm -hmm. as a as a teenager in mm -hmm. high school, uh, could you see things that you wanted? Could you drink? Did you have those, that kind of vision as yes. a teenager that you could look and say, wow, this could happen? Or, oh, that could I've happen. always had big dreams. I've always had big dreams and no money. Like, always been my Yes, I, I resemble that. Yes. I've always had the dreams. Like, I can remember in, in 11th grade, I was writing and I wanted a snack shop. And I just wanted, like, different snacks and different things that I could sell. Right. And I had my, my community of people I was going to sell to, my people I was going to ask to buy. And then after that, I remember I was just going to do nothing but hot dogs. And, you know, hot dogs are inexpensive. So I broke it down. If I get a pack of hot dogs, they were 79 cents. I'll never forget. They were 79 cents. And if I sell them for 50 cents each and the bun costs this much, it was a breakdown process. And that's how my mind's always worked. Like, if I could just do this or if I could just start this, this will help with this. And so that's always been my thing. Like, I, I write every write everything down. And you have an entrepreneurial mindset. Yes. You said you were breaking it down, looking at the cost. If I do this, yes, and and started your hot dog stand. Yes, huh? <laughs> that's what I wanted to do, and it's just so, it's been so many things, one after the next, and then I got more involved. Um, I, I've been going to church forever, and so I got more involved in the church, and and there was this thing called outreach. I'm like outreach what is outreach and that's when I knew God gave me a servant's heart oh. oh my gosh just to help other people and and give into the community and then it was like I probably was 22 23 when I when I realized that that's that's not me that is something God has put into my heart to mm. do and so that that made it even sweeter like he trusts me with his people like that is pretty cool god trusts me so <laughs> outreach became such something so big to me because i always felt like no matter what i gave out i wouldn't miss it i mean physically seeing it i'll probably miss it but god will always make sure i'm taken care of and, oh, wow. and it's never failed it has never failed <laughs> that's called faith yes My goodness, definitely. You ever had it. that's definitely. amazing to me definitely. but it's not always been easy for you no so, so back in high school, um, quiet teenager, quiet, mm -hmm. quiet Kenya, mm -hmm. but got through, graduated, mm -hmm. pick it up there. Uh, graduated, uh, married. Uh, I got married right after high school. Um, my, his father and I, um, it was two, we had two kids. And um, I kind of, I kind of felt like hmm, I can get money fast. So I started selling drugs. Um, sold drugs for a while, mm -hmm. got mixed up with some wrong people. Um, someone, someone stole something and I gave him a ride. I think it was like seven hours later, gave him a ride. Didn't realize, I knew, no, I knew they sold something, just didn't realize that me giving them a ride, you know, they mm -hmm. just left, like went to another apartment complex. And when I was asked that you give them a ride, I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I gave them a ride. Did they give you money? Yeah, they gave me $10 for gas. I was like, yeah. So I was arrested. 
Um, I was mm. really mad about it. I was yeah, really rebellious sure. about that. So I didn't pay the restitution because he went to prison. So if he went to prison, all his restitution fell on me. So I was really bitter about that. And I refused to pay it. I was like, I'm not paying right. his. And I paid $10. Like, that's all I got. And that's all I paid. Well, needless to say, it, I was put on probation and the judge called me back in and he was like, look, if you don't pay it, you know, we're going to send you to prison. And I was like, I'm not paying it. I'm like, you can't send me to prison for not paying restitution. They sent me to prison. Okay, so get this now. She's in, she's in prison and she has some choices to make. And this is where the story gets good because I want you to hear how Kenya dealt with this adversity, how she used this really probably unfair just uh, justice system, uh, and, and here is a a poor um, African American woman in prison for giving somebody a ride for ten bucks, and that she has to pay all the restitution, which she said she would not do, which landed her in prison. Listen now to how she handles that. Oh for that, I paid restitution. I was I was twenty seven. Um. I was 26, but let me tell you, that was the best experience of my life. I know it sounds crazy, but I would tell anybody, I was selling drugs, I was um, I was sleeping in my car at times because we had lost our place and it was just like a struggle, but I went to church every Sunday. Uh, I was never a tither, I never tied because I'm like, why am I giving the pastor my money? You know, it was no explanation of, you know, me giving to the man of God that feeds me. No one explained it to me why right. I'm tithing. So I was I was just out there and um, living a life with three small kids. Like I have three young kids and my mom's have been. And so uh, when he when he when I heard him say you're turned over to the Department of Corrections, I'm thinking they're going to book me in. I'm going to get a bun and I'm going to go home. And so when I get back there and they say, you don't have a bun, and my mom was like, well, you might probably have to wait until Monday for them to give you a bun. And I'm in there like two weeks and I'm like, mom, they brought me a paper saying that I have like five years in prison. Like I cannot be away from the kids five years. What am I gonna do? And I had a whole come apart, like, but I never cried. I didn't cry. I immediately started reading my Bible. I read the Bible like five or six times front and back. Mm -hmm. Still didn't really understand what I was reading. Uh, when I got to Tuckwiler, every pod I was in for the four months, it was around Christian women, wow. women that had Bible studies, women that prayed, women that encouraged me. And it was, it was God telling me, look, I need to sit you down because I have something else for mm -hmm. you. But if I let you go too far, you're gonna be too far gone and you're not gonna wanna come back. And so in that process of going to work release, I had a dream the night before. And it was this big old lady with this thing tied around her head. And we were going down this long dirt road and she walked in and she said, it's okay, cause you're close to home. And I go to work release the next day, didn't know I was going to work release. And we go down this long dirt road and it was this black lady sitting there. And she said, what are you doing here? You don't even supposed to be here. And she was like, hopefully you'll go home soon. And three weeks later, I was at home. Oh my goodness. I was literally at home. So I'll tell anybody that ride I took, that was God destined. I needed that so God could save my life. Oh my I goodness. needed that ride to save and my that, life. That's right. <laughs> now there's something in you though. Mm -hmm. You talk about leadership, you talk about entrepreneurial and vision that you have, but but Kenny, there was something inside of you that said, I'm not paying that restitution. Mm -hmm. 
What was it? What made you decide to be to, to just draw that line and say? Because I'm not I, just, doing it. I I just felt like I, I didn't. I had never been in trouble, so okay. I didn't know the law, and I just felt like it was unfair. Like I was I was being treated unfair, and you can't make me pay for something that I didn't take. Like I was honest with you. I told you he gave me ten dollars. Like I took him two three miles up the street. You you can't charge me with this and. It's no, um, it's no law of, you know, you two people together, you didn't do it. No, you both get charged with the same thing. And so I got charged with the same thing. We got a lawyer. Of course, my charges were reduced because, you know, they, the guy wrote a statement and said, no, she wasn't there. She had nothing to do with it, but they had already charged me like that. So it was nothing. So yeah, I had a felony on my record. And, yeah. and how long did you stay at Tutwater in prison? Four months. I stayed there four months. And and so I just have to ask. Mm -hmm. So they, they fought, so they let you go home. Mm -hmm. What about the restitution? Did you have to end up? I paying? paid every you dime to, of it. You had to pay it. I paid every dime of the restitution. Yeah. <laughs> every dime of the restitution, oh I paid goodness. it. And I came home on a um, SRP program. Uh, it was it was crazy. No, and I, was I like, don't know what that is. Um, it, it's 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 just a program where you have to be in the house by eight eight p.m. Oh, okay. You have to call in and let them know that you're there. Mm -hmm. You have to take a drug test. They can pop up whatever time of the morning, give you a drug test if you're home. Well, I was supposed to be on there for three years. Um, my my sergeant White, he was like, "You're you're getting on my nerves. Like you you work too much. Like it's impossible to keep up with you." But I'm like, "Well, I, I'm a single mom with three kids. Like I worked from ten. I worked from no. I paid that as soon as I got out. Did you? I really? paid it completely in full. I owed nothing. Oh my yes, goodness! Yes, I owed kid. nothing. And so I, I would report, but I worked from ten a.m. sometimes to eleven p.m. at night. Like I had people from church bringing my kids to my job to help let me help them with their homework or to see them before they go to bed because I had rent, I had utilities, I had car insurance. So I'm taking care of these three kids and, and I needed I needed to work. So he he would come by my job and he was like, okay, you're at work. So that happened for about four or five months. And he, he came by my house about six o'clock one morning and he said, I have to give you a drug test. And I said, okay, good. So I got a drug test and he said, I want you to meet me at the courthouse at 8 p.m. At 8 a.m., I was like, okay. So I go to the courthouse, and he was like, this is your new uh, probation officer, and I'm taking you off this program. You report to them once a month. And he said, after six months, we're just going to take you off of uh, parole. We don't want to deal with you no more. Well, after three months, they took me off parole because they told me I was really boring. So <laughs> they took me off of parole after three months, oh, and I was completely okay. done with it. I have not been in any trouble since. And that was, what, 11 years ago? Kenya. So, yes. And even, this is amazing, your your integrity, your your work ethic. Even, even though you made some bad calls, as we all do, but you made some bad calls, mm -hmm probably unjustly had to pay, in my mm -hmm. opinion, the, the restitution, but you continue to work hard. I have no choice. What what else is it to do? Like, I have three people looking up to me. Like, I have three people. Like, I, I didn't have anyone to look up to growing up. You know, <laughs> every dream that I wanted, everything that I desired, mm -hmm. I had no one that was putting their foot forward to do those things. I, I had nothing to look forward to. You had nobody to do that, but you did it. So you've mm -hmm. got it. Let me let's have a let's have an honest conversation mm -hmm. for yes. just a minute. You could have chosen. You, here you are, black female, mm -hmm. um, put into the penal system, 
for a, a minute nothing, mm-hmm. right? But yet, here you go. You could have become a victim. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So help me to understand what caused you to say, because you just told me that ride saved my life. Best yeah. thing that ever happened to mm-hmm. me. I was in, how in the world did you get that perspective when you had been treated unfairly, maybe even by the court system and given a, but, but yet yeah, that's not how you view it. You view it. I'm so thankful I took that, I gave him that ride. <laughs> Explain it. After, after that, after getting out, I met my husband. Um, after getting out. After getting out. About four or five months later, I met my husband. We've been together since. Been together since? Yes. Um, my youngest son, he was 11. My oldest son was 11. And one day we were sitting on the bed when he was about 13. My husband and I were already uh, together. They loved him. He loved him. And he, they were telling me things that I had done. Like, I didn't work. Like, when I met my husband, I didn't really work up until phone cakes. Like, I didn't have to work. I was able to take them to school, pick them up, be everything. I didn't work. And my son said, yeah, I remember that time when the people would come to the back door. And I know what you were selling. Or I know what you were doing. And my daughter was like, yeah, I remember the time that it smelled funny. Like, I know what you were doing. And they were just talking in conversation and they're laughing, but inside I want to cry because I've shown them the way. So I have a young black man that's fixing to be a teenager. Mm-hmm. What do I show him? Come on. I, I'm the person. He has a father. He has a dad who mm-hmm. works every single day. His stepdad works every single day. But what do I show him? The person that he sees, the person that when his stomach hurts, he, he calls. You know, when something goes on in school, he calls. What do I show him? And so I knew then, no matter what I did in the future, I couldn't let them see me being the person that says, oh my gosh, I have a felony, so there's nothing I can do now. Or I went to prison, so oh, woe is me. You know, that that's not who I am. So I had to show them that no matter what has happened in your past, that doesn't, that doesn't define your future. You define your future. You call out what your next is, not the next person. Not the person said, oh, you can't work here, although you went through orientation because we found out you have a felony. I didn't go home mad about that. It was plenty of jobs that I went to orientations for free to find out after I worked at night, you can't work here because you have a felony. I didn't go home and complain about that. I went to the next job until I found out what worked for me. I sold everything from Avon to Tupperware to to lipsticks, to makeup, to to anything you can name to help my family because they told me I couldn't work certain jobs because I have a felony, because I messed up in my past, then no one else is gonna give me a a, a chance in my future because I have a felony. So the good stuff is gone from me because I have a felony. I wasn't gonna let that stop me because that's what they say, that's That's not what I say. That's what they say, that's not who you are. No, absolutely not. And it's been hard, you've had to work, even after prison, You've had to really work hard just to, to gather enough money yes. to take care of your family yes. at times, huh? mm-hmm. and you're not afraid of that. No, absolutely not. I, I listen. Paul said I've learned to be content in any in any stage, and and I've had a little. I've had a lot. I know what it's like to scramble for change to get bread. I know what it's like to have an overflow of bread. So whatever situation I'm in, I know it can't stay like that. I know because who my daddy is. 
he's going to take care of me because he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. So it can't stay like this. I just have to believe in where I am at that moment that he's going to bring me out on the other side. That's that's it. That is powerful. That That's all I have to do. You know, Kenya, you are an amazing leader. That That is, that is a powerful story. More powerful, though, is your thought process, your heart, your your willingness to, to not become a victim. And in a culture today where it's easy to become a victim, yes. it, it's easy. And quite frankly, we are in a, in a unique situation where change must occur and change is occurring. Mm-hmm. But, but people like you who say, I mean, you, you're out there leading the way. You've had a very difficult life. Uh, if you look at where you've been, I mean, how many people can say, you know, gosh, I ended up in prison as a 20-something-year-old. But you say, I'm looking at that and I'm learning from that. I'm looking at that and it changed my life. I'm looking at that and God had to stop me to tell yes. me who I am. Um, and, I'm, and I'm determined more than ever not to be that person that, that, is, that I was, that I want to be the mm-hmm. person that my children can know loves them and is there for them and, and yes. that hard work ethic. That's amazing to me. And I think they've caught on. Like my, my son, he's... Both of them, like those oldest two. My son just started an inflatable business. He's a welder. Um, he also wants to do over the road. He wants to do, uh, he's bought a dually truck. He's bought his own trailer. These are things that he saved up to do himself. He wants to be an entrepreneur. My daughter has a phlebotomy certification. She's um, wow. fixing to enroll back in nursing school. Good. So these are things that I know if I had a sat back and said, oh my gosh, I have a felony, you know, I'm just going to go work over here and just put my head between my legs. Those kids would have been like, oh, well, I'm just going to go to a job over here and just work, you know, mm-hmm. and just live paycheck to paycheck. Okay, is something wrong with that if that's your mindset? Absolutely not. If that's what you want, then fine, live paycheck to paycheck. But I've also instilled in them, if you live paycheck to paycheck, what happens if your car breaks down? You know, it's going to get further behind because that paycheck only covers what you've already got under it. So mm. there's nothing else to fit on the umbrella. That's it. So you need to make sure that you have a setup plan. And I tell them all the time, yeah, it's fun to go out and travel and do things. But what happens when you come back? Did you take your travel money out of your savings and that's it? Did you deplete it to go have fun? We have to instill things in them that no one else is going to teach them. That is brilliant. We, we have to. Who's going to do it? No one taught me. No one taught me. I watch people. I watch things. Like, I've watched. I've never had a friend my age up until now. I have one friend that's 40-something. And this is the first time in my entire life that I've had a friend my age. My first time. My, my, one of my best friends, she's fixing to be 70. How about Like, they've always been older. Every one of them has been at least 20, 30 years older than me. And I watch them, even when they're talking about marriage. I don't say nothing. I just listen. She listened and she learned. Wow, that's what great leaders do. They listen to others. And and Kenya says, you know, I I listen to people who are older than I am. And I learned from them. Uh, Another great trait of a great leader. You know, or mm-hmm. if they're talking about their kids are 40 and 50. So when they're talking about what their kids did at a younger age or how they kids messed up. And, and one of them said one day, she said, I, I was in a habit of telling my daughter, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. This is how I messed up. And she said, but all I did one day was I told her 
okay, if you do this, this is going to happen and we're going to have to figure a way out of it. I didn't fuss anymore. She did it. It messed up. We had to figure a way That's out of right. it. So the very next time when she, when we had a conversation, she was more, more attentive to what I said versus, well, I know what I'm doing. She said, you don't have to fuss all the time. The Bible says train them up in a way that they should go. Mm. And when they're old, they won't depart. She said, so they're going to listen. They're going to hear. They're going to take it in. And they're going to use it when the time is right. You listen to that and learn. Yes. You listen and yes. learn. That's, yes. that's And amazing. so all of my older friends, I just yeah. I just sit back and listen. I don't have to say anything. We've taken trips together. I'm like 27, 28, and I'm in the car with 60-year-olds having a blast. <laughs> and I'm just listening. And that's why, and that's why, you know, it's it's okay to sit back and just be quiet. You know, you can walk in the room in silence and change the whole mood of the room because your presence is there. You don't have to say anything. Wow. It's just in your presence. Kenny, you're something else. You are an amazing. I got another question for (laughs) you. And I want to just just delve into this a bit because you have such such strong and, and incredible insight and wisdom from from listening to to for the those that are older than you. But how are we doing? You know, you're here in, in Alabama, mm-hmm. and as as an African American mm-hmm. woman, with your with your business, we'll talk about it before we we end this podcast. Okay. We don't talk about that. It's exciting and and wonderful. But how are we doing with the with our racial prejudice right now? Are we making progress? That is so crazy. Are we? Not? <laughs> give us. Give us. I don't have. I don't have the right to answer that question. <laughs> that is so crazy. So my husband. Um, they say I'm naive. They they say it a lot because I feel like everybody loves me. I don't care who it is. Well, that's easy to figure. I mean, you should love sense. me. Because <laughs> I just feel that way. And I speak to everyone. I don't care who it is. You don't have to like me. I can know. You love me. You just don't know it yet. And so I ran into my first incident a couple weeks ago. I was somewhere and I was invited and um, someone someone whispered and said, I didn't know it was a black lady that owned it. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I didn't know what to do. And I'm yeah. like, huh. And so we, we had the whole conversation. I was there, it was a great event. And I walked by her and I said, you guys have a great evening. And I said, yes, I'm a woman of color and I own Royalty Farm Cakes and More. We just franchised in Huntsville and we're fixing to open our third location. And you should come by and see us because we do great things in our community. I love it. But if I was not a woman of color, I probably would have the same heart. So my heart is not colored. It's the same color. Did you say that? And I left. But I got invited back. (laughs) They they emailed me yesterday. So I got invited back. So it wasn't that. (laughs) But I, I don't think... And I don't think it's changing much. Mm-hmm. We can see the things that take place for the public, but underneath, it's not changing much. People's hearts has to change. You can change mm-hmm. things by implementing rules, changing dates for mm-hmm. people of minority to celebrate, but it, it has to be a heart change. You can't, you can't legislate it, can you? No, you it can't. has to be a heart change. These are things that are taught. These are things that are That's instilled right. in our younger people. My kids used to play basketball, and they're getting called names on the court in certain places that we play ball. You know, I have a, my 15-year-old, his favorite people in the world look like you. 
And I tried to explain to him, even after the George Floyd thing, you can't take everybody into stride just because they're like them. Like he loves that family. I don't know if I can call their name, but he loves that family. And tell them are amazing. I love that family, but everybody's not gonna treat him like they do. Mm-hmm. My grandbaby, his father looks just like you. Mm-hmm. And I love his dad, mm-hmm. but everybody's heart isn't the same because some people are taught color. They're not taught love. Mm. They're taught color. Some people are taught color. They're not taught love. Wow. Uh, Listen to this hard conversation and how authentic Kenya is and how open she is to help us to understand the real problem of this beast, this monster, evil called racism. Uh, It's a a hard issue. It's, um, It's about love or the lack of love. Uh, really, really uh, great insight from Kenya. And to be taught color is to be taught hatred. That's right. I can't see color because I don't know what color God is. So if I don't like you because you're white, what if God's white? If I don't like you because you're Hispanic, I I can't see color. I have to look at the heart. I I can't, I mean, I don't care what color you are. You're you're not white. That's white. That's right. Oh white. no, that's it, exactly you know, right. So what do we look at color for? You have to look at the heart, and until our, until everybody looks at the heart, racism isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. We're still going to look at people with locks as as gangster and and black men with gold teeth and, and long dress. We're not going to look at them as professionals. We're going to look at them as thugs, you know, and, and that's how it's portrayed. No matter how we look at it, how we try to dress it up, we're going to look at it as like, if my son walked in here right now, you wouldn't look at him as a businessman, no matter how hard, not you, but in I general, understand. no matter how hard he's trying to be professional. Yeah. And he does. He'll call me before he talks to someone about a, a rental sometimes. Mama, does this sound right? Does this sound right? Mm-hmm. He has to be taught. If you get pulled over, you immediately tell Siri to call me. Like nothing else. You call me. You don't pick up nothing. You call me so I can come to where you are. That's a sad thing to have to tell my son. I need you to. I cannot allow my 15 year old to go play basketball because I'm picking him up before it gets dark. You can't be a black child walking down. It's sad, but it's true. I don't care how we look at it. It's sad. Is everyone like that? Absolutely not. No, they're not. But we have some people that has been taught that. They don't even know why they don't like certain races. Right. They have no idea. Right. It's just that they're taught that. So it's the older generation is dying off, but what about the ones that still been taught that? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, what are we going to do about that? Will that next generation have uh, a better pers- heart perspective? I think it'll get easier. Yeah. I think it'll get easier because they're only they're they're not going by experiences. And the only reason the old generation is going by experiences is because of what they were taught and what they yeah. saw. Yeah. I mean, how you not like me because I'm black? Like yeah, it, not because you've never had right. a conversation with me because I'm black or you don't frequent my establishment because I'm a black woman that owns it. What does it matter? Come because you like funnel cakes. Come because I pay people utility bills in the community. Mm-hmm. I help people with their rent. I help different organizations in our community. Come for that reason. That's Don't right. come because of the color of my That's skin. Right. Come mm-hmm. for that reason. 
But until we see a heart change, we won't see racism change. Yeah, I think that is a brilliant statement, incredibly wise. You are wise beyond your years. <laughs> and, and I think you've nailed it. As long as we keep seeing color, it's not going to change. Mm -hmm. that's, so, that's so true. No. And, and I think leading with her heart and, and that's that's who you are and it's so evident um, we have and, to and you're so you're you're not just you're not just talking that though you, you know you you are living that because you are giving back to the community I do. tell me about that what, what are you doing we do uh we do a lot in the community i've always been a giver i had a nonprofit where i housed uh homeless women and children here in decatur mm -hmm. uh we closed it down it cost me to lose everything um i lost they repossessed my cars. Oh, wow. uh, I lost my home. I ended up staying in an extended stay for a year uh, mm -hmm. with my family. We lost everything trying to keep that place open. No one knew it. No one knew that I was helping homeless women, but I too was homeless. No one knew that because at the end of the day, I still smiled. I still did what I needed to do. I still was at church. I still was ministering because it, it didn't, it, it wasn't about me. Yep, you heard that right. She was willing to give up everything to try to keep that homeless shelter going. A homeless woman leading and providing a homeless shelter for other homeless women. And they never knew it. Uh, amazing. It was not, and, and I believe, not to sound conceited, but it's about me now. But it wasn't about me then. Right. God had those people. That was my purpose to get here. And so we lost everything. And... It was a, it was a, it was a hard thing, and I was kind of mad because I'm like, okay, God, why? Like you put me here, so why, why is everything gone? And and so when we opened Royalty Funnel Cakes and More, it was like if I could just make five hundred dollars a day, I could help my husband, and we can eventually move. You know, he's paying everything, he's taking care of the kids. If I could just make five hundred dollars a day, so we opened. And I had nothing. Like, I, that wasn't my equipment that I opened with. It wasn't my mix. It wasn't my utensils. It was Joe's Deli. Miss Connie let me use all of her stuff to open. I opened and quadrupled what I wanted to make that day. Oh, my goodness. Quadrupled. I was able to get all of my stuff I needed. And from that point on, we've just been moving forward. Here we go. And so we do a lot in the community because it's not mine. It is not mine to hover and mm. set up and let the canker worms eat. You know, I'm okay. So we have people out here that's hurting. So I want, I want to be the person that I needed when I needed help. I want to be the person I needed when I needed help. Please think about that for a minute. That, that is an amazing statement by, by, this, um, by this incredible leader. That is my goal. I want to be that person. So when people write me about a utility bill, we're selective when we do utility bills because we don't want to come or interfere with community action or different things like that. And we're selective, but we want to make sure that we're giving back into the community that supports us. Mm. And so we pay utility bills. We buy groceries. Uh, we help with community events. We help with different things. We started this thing, Community Doers. So every month or every two weeks, we recognize somebody in the community that's doing that's doing good work. And we give them a Community Door t-shirt. We put them on our page and let people sew into whatever their next mission is to help the community. And I just feel like it doesn't stop with just me. 
Like we have to recognize the people that's doing stuff and let them know that there's more organizations out there that's helping, that that's giving. Like we have a place here that people that's always looking for counseling and, and different things. Mm. We have resources, but who knows about them? Mm. My minority people don't know about right. Eagle's Nest unless right. they're contacted with DHR or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, they right. don't know. They don't know what we have. No. And, and you are passionate about not only growing your business, but continuing to serve the community. Yes. I hear that passion. I think it's, it, it has to be more than just money. Like yeah. it has to be more than money. I know people see the lines and stuff, but when I see the lines, I'm thinking, okay, so we're going to set this aside to do this and we're going to do this. And then, well, maybe we could just sow $10,000 into an entrepreneur at the end of the year. So that is my goal for the end of the year. Right. I just want to sow into somebody that has a dream and been sitting on that dream and been sitting dormant. I want to help you get to your next. She has a startup so that she can sow into somebody else, so that she can help someone else have a startup, so that she can help someone else pursue their dream. That is amazing. Yes. That's amazing. So tell me, and and, and Mm -hmm. as we wrap this, I could talk to you all day. You are amazing. (laughs) What an amazing woman. What an amazing leader. But but wait a minute before we go, I got a couple of things just, just to run by you. First, tell us about your your royalty. You mentioned that you're franchising, but tell us about royalty, funnel cakes, and more. What are you doing? Give us a kind of thirty thousand foot view of your your business and where it's going. Okay, so we uh, we've been open a year. We just celebrated a year. We just franchised our first location in Huntsville in February. Uh, we're looking to open our third location in June, June or July. Um, Can you say where? Moulton. Oh my goodness, that's great. And we're looking to franchise in Birmingham in the fall. We have someone that's interested in that. So yes, so um, our business is, I'm not going to say it's family owned, but it's family owned. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm the only owner, but everybody that works for me is family. They're not related. Everybody isn't related, but they're family. I have a Hispanic girl that works for me. She's like my daughter. Like, It's just, I feel like we take workers and that's what they are. They're just workers. So they come in and they do their job and they go home. But I feel like if you take the workers and you train them and it, college is not for everyone. So my hope is maybe there's someone that's working for me now that can run my Decatur location so I can move my daughter to my Moulton location. Or maybe there's someone that's working for me. So, hey, Miss Kenya, I don't have the $30,000 for a franchise, but I've been saving. So I have X amount. Well, hey, let's take that and work with it. I want bosses working for me. I don't want people working for me that wants a paycheck. I want somebody that wants to go somewhere. Like I have one of my young lady who I'm giving a thousand dollar scholarship to as soon as she graduates. She's going to AM, she knows where she's going. We're gonna give her a thousand dollar scholarship, do what you need to do for school. That's what it's about. Like that's what funnel cakes is about. I found my niche. I, like I said, I've sold it. It sounds like everything. And I feel like <laughs> God is giving me something amazing. And I'm not going to keep it to myself. God has given me something amazing, and I'm not going to keep it to myself. Enough said. I don't care what people mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. I help people say, we're going to get to heaven giving it all away. Well, duh, I only get to heaven through Jesus. I know how I'm going to get to heaven. That's I don't right. need you to tell me that. That's but I know what I'm doing for the kingdom. So I just, we, we have to have that mindset. Like, we have to have that mindset. 
And if we all get on that same page, who's going to be hungry? Who's going to be homeless? Come on. Like, no one. And, and we might even change a few hearts along yes. the way, right? Yes. And we're going to change some hearts. Mm. We are going to change. All we have to do is just keep loving. That's right. That's all that we is, have to that do. That is it. Kenya, you are amazing. You are incredible. <laughs> well, what, thank you. What a leader. But before I let you go, I know you're busy. you got so much going on. I, I want you to answer this, this question uh-huh. for me. There are a lot of, of, of leaders out there, young leaders trying to make it, going through hard things, maybe maybe just like you. They, they're in a season of struggle. Um, or maybe they're just trying to make it, trying to figure out who they are, uh, these aspiring leaders. What would you say? Give me just a, a couple of tips that you would say to to these young leaders who are who are trying to figure things out, and what do they need to know, uh, in your opinion, in order to make it, in order to be? I'll put a, a quotes around this successful. What do they? How you define that? And you certainly are incredibly successful. What do they need for that? Is it what you really want? Mm-hmm. You have to know. Is that something that you really? want because if it's not something that you think about all day if it's not something you're constantly looking up writing down then let it go because you're wasting your time but to be successful in anything you have to have a drive to go get it you have to be able to take the no's and if you can't turn them into yes go to the next door until you find a solid yes but if you don't have the willpower to take a no and to turn it into your own yes then you're going to be stuck dormant you have to have people pushing you. And if they're not pushing you, you don't don't ever get mad at the people that don't don't support you. Don't ever get mad because mm-hmm. sometimes God wants you to understand that he needs to be the only person supporting you so he can be the only one to get the glory. So go forward, go hard and do not give up. You are amazing. Those are words of wisdom. Those are golden and I hope Hope that we stopped and wrote that down if you're listening. But thank you for, for thank this. you for having you're me. Amazing lady, and I'm looking forward to what else God is going to do through yes. you. And and it's been a just my honor. It's been a joy to, to have you here today on Crossing the Line. Thank Thanks, you. Kenya. You are crossing the line, and you are incredibly thank you so much. Difference. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. My goodness, uh, what what a what a lady! Uh, in case you missed it, there at the end, what she said was that her, her advice, her tips for young leaders, really for anybody, is that hey, look, you got to have passion. Is this what you really want? You got to have that desire and the ability to to take the nose and continue going with perseverance. She said you got to have willpower and you got to have attitude. She said don't get mad at people when they don't support you. She said you go hard and and you continue to pursue your dream and and. and work hard to get what you want wow what what great tips for for all of us really uh this this interview has been one that has has really touched my heart um she is uh, kenya is an amazing amazing uh lady and uh and and she says you know i i know that what i'm doing i'm i'm giving back i'm i'm giving that to the community and she she reminded us that uh, until we really um love and and see with our hearts instead of seeing color with her eyes that racism will always be with us and uh, she is just a living example of loving with her heart she was a joy it was a a lot of fun for me i hope that you were inspired i hope you were encouraged and i want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on crossing the line and i hope that you continue to do just like kenya's doing continue to lead well 
crossing that line from your head to your heart and your heart to your head in order to make a difference in the lives of those you love, live with, and lead. See you next time.